What's the best site in India? The Taj Mahal, the Golden Temple? For Rintwa, it's his market stall. Some years ago, he lost his sight and then his job. I'm Lisa from Specsavers and we help the Hope Foundation provide eye care in Kolkata. Rintwa was found to have cataracts. The charity performed surgery, which gave him his vision back. He regained confidence and returned to work. Find out how we're changing people's lives for the better at specsavers.ie. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again. It's Mairead Robinson here for another of our Senior Times podcasts. Now, today we're looking at life after retirement, how to deal with the challenges and opportunities that confront us as we enter what's commonly known as the third phase of our lives. Now, to learn more about what this entails, I'm delighted to be joined by the eminent Dr. Declan Lyons. He's consultant psychiatrist at St. Patrick's Mental Health Services and also clinical professor in psychiatry at TCD. So thank you very much for joining me, Declan. It's a pleasure and a privilege to speak to you. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about what brought you to this interest in, in third age? Well, thanks very much, Marie for the opportunity to talk with you today. So I suppose I've had a, a kind of a long-standing interest um, working with older people, um, both socially, professionally. Um, I've always admired older people who are, you know, seasoned voyagers of life. Um, older people are a link with history, which is one of my, I suppose, passions. Um, my, I suppose, the first older person I really met was my grandmother, who was born very firmly in the, the 19th century. Um, and she was an amazing, dignified, upright country lady, um, very much the, the head of the family, the matriarch um, and interesting character. I've always enjoyed mixing and mingling with older people. I worked as a volunteer with the St. Vincent de Paul and I would have visited older people regularly in their homes and done errands for them as a, as a, as a kid. Um, as at school, so I, I, you know, would enjoy conversing with older people. Um, you know, maybe even preferentially than than younger people. But it's the the passion I think in history. I I, I love history as a a subject. Um, and I'm not professing any specific expertise or credentials, mm -hmm. but older people are the living repository of history. And um, then I went on to do obviously medical training, and you know after my basic medical degree I went on and studied um internal medicine became a um, a geriatrician in training um but then you know having liked psychiatry um as a as a student um I went into uh, psychiatry and thought well I can combine the two interests I can combine an interest in older people with with mental health of older people so those skill sets were brought together uh, I think, and I've I've uh, trained in the psychiatry of later life, trained in the UK before I came back to take up my post in St. Patrick's, sadly, some years ago now. No, well, I, I'll tell you one thing about reading some of um, your latest book and other books. You do um, you do speak very warmly about um, people older people, if you like, you don't have any trace of of being condescending or, or dismissive or any of the things that perhaps older people often find um, not necessarily 
with uh, dealing with 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 um, the health professionals, but just ge- in society generally, you have a very warm way of describing older people, which I found very very engaging. I have to say, in the book, you've you've actually three books. The book we're going to talk about is your latest book, Mind Crafting, uh, which I'm fascinated by. Where did that title come from, Mind Crafting? Well, I'd love to say it came from the publisher's catchy title department. <laughs> I mean, titles, you know, I would absolutely struggle over the title of anything, whether it's an article or because titles are really, really important. You can sell absolutely anything with words, the correct phrase. So, you know, my son would have played a game called Minecraft. Well, that's Uh, what I was thinking. I said, it can't be be connecting to that game. Where did this word come from? So that was my first question to ask. No, it's just um, it's a little derivation of it, uh, I I suppose. Um, And uh, I was always interested in him, his obsession with this game Minecraft um, because he he held on to it more than any other computer game, more than FIFA's and all that sort of stuff, the, yes. the soccer things. So I was just interested in it. I was exposed secondarily uh, to a bit of Minecraft. So the word stuck in the old yeah. subconscious brain. Uh, I like the phrase Minecraft, um, you know, because it implies a kind of a bit of subtlety, yes. um, you know, in the exercise of developing and and shaping your mind. I think we all need a bit of subtlety. We all need the the kind of art and fervor of the master craftsman, you know, and developing our, our minds as we get older. It's work very, very much in progress. You know, it's the very active process, but a skilled process. Yes, indeed. You know, crafts craftsmanship is all about skill, refining, honing. It's not so much about brute force or brute strength. It's it's a very delicate exercise. And I think that that sums up what we we all need to be mindful of as we approach our own mental health and well-being. Absolutely. Nature. Well, the, the subtitle of how to mentor your aging mind. Um, obviously, the book is geared towards people who are entering or already in the third phase of their lives, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s and so on. Um, and you and your, your previous books were very much helping people to, to cope with the challenges of getting older, like the Evergreen Guide, helping people survive and thrive in later years. And then you had a lovely title, The Time of Your Life, Reflections on Aging with Attitude. So this is your third book. How do they differ? Is it because attitudes are changing over the last number of years or? Well, they were they were they were kind of different. I suppose the first book and I I can't claim sole authorship of that. I was the, the kind of editor and I suppose uh, enforcer of the project. Uh, it was written by by me and member uh, members of the team I work with. I kind of stuck them, my colleagues, to the task, uh, which was very challenging, I might <laughs> add. So th- that's a textbook aimed at professionals, and it was marketed primarily in in America. Um, and it it really described a program we have in St Patrick's Hospital for the psychological rehabilitation of older people, uh, the Evergreen Program. So it it really looked at, which was multidisciplinary. So in other words, the program was not just given by nursing staff, medical staff. It was given by OTs, uh, psychology. We had a pharmacy, pharmacist. Uh, we have uh, physiotherapists and physical yes. therapists describing their work and occupational therapists, very importantly. So it was a multidisciplinary textbook around how we structured our group program what were the nuts and bolts of running a group how you generate conversation what are the take-home messages you give people um you know even though they're experiencing acute mental illness even though they're in patients in an acute 
acute psychiatric setting. But we try and get people into this into this group um, really from the get go of their of their admission and they can just listen and observe. And that works very, very well, really. Nobody's yeah. under pressure to talk if they don't feel feel up to. My second book was slightly tongue in cheek. The time of your later life was about uh, really interpreting all the events, the main events of the year through the eyes of an older person. Now, it was slightly ironic, um, slightly tongue in cheek, as I say, in its style, a little bit irreverent and deliberately so. Mm. Um, and uh, so the third book, Minecraft, is a much more, I suppose, standard self-help um text if you like some people yes. don't like that word self-help but um yeah there, there's a striking in gap in the market in terms of self-help books as you know if you go to any bookstore oh boy there's a lot of self-help books out there but very very few aimed at an older audience so i i wanted to correct that sponsored by expressway with My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. So let's jump right in. Society's attitude to, to ageing. Um, I know that society is getting older anyway. There are more and more older people. But is, society, is society's attitude to ageing keeping up with the reality? No, I in a nutshell, uh, direct answer to your question. I think not. I think we're still locked in the mindset of pushing it away and delaying the aging process, particularly the cosmetic aspects of aging. I mean, that that's still, you know, a huge element of the age denial that that's out there. But we, we do try and distance uh, ourselves from the reality of our own aging. And we, we kind of push it away through humor uh, by isolating older people, by insisting on Things like retirement, that retirement is a noble act that you should step back from the workplace to make way for younger blood. So we've always done that, um, mm. really. And, you know, I, I'm not convinced there was ever a golden era of perfect integration of older and younger people. Bearing in mind, though, it's only the arrival of a whole substantial cohort of old, older people is only a relatively recent phenomenon Indeed. in Western society. With, with increased life expectancy and so on. But I think the, the in a nutshell, I think the we, we do tend to unfortunately stereotype and deny the reality of our own aging. Indeed, yes. The reality of um, living in a mixed society with thankfully many, many more older people in good health and still active and contributing. Very much so. You deal very, very effectively with both the challenges and the opportunities of ageing. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that. There's no doubt challenges um, in terms of, I suppose it is a, um, if you think about our formal education system, our formal education system is largely geared to those, well, 30 or 40, increasingly more years, I suppose, in the workforce. And paying your taxes. So we educate people, we socialize people, we give them clear cut skills, we delineate their role and train them into a skill, a profession or whatever. 
uh, and then thereafter the educational process seems to stop yes, you know indeed. despite the fact that retirement actually may last two or three decades yes if we're, if we're fortunate Hopefully. um so there is no textbook there is no university course there is no institute that will uh, adequately prepare people i believe for the third phase of life despite the fact that the third phase of life may have a lot more more uh, opportunities in some respects in in terms of the the big challenges i you know it can be down to some losses you know bereavements that we all experience along the way changes in physical health can significantly can significantly challenge people as they 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 grow older opportunities are a plenty i think if you enter your later years you know in reasonably fortunate average circumstances financially good health um and you know without the burden of the whole rat race of life in terms of pressures of mortgages tuition fees all that sort of thing i think there's a huge opportunity in later life to really realize your own potential that you know you just may not have been able to realize around those busy early and middle years you give some good advice to people um to actually check how they're how they're living like uh, how what how people treat them what they're doing how they're engaging there's a lot of tips into how they can actually improve their lives themselves yes i think we all need to realize i suppose we have we have i suppose fundamental emotional needs to meet as human beings irrespective of age and actually um i refer in the book to the, the framework called the human givens the human givens framework which uh, is a set of organizing ideas developed by um, uh, a mentor, uh, a friend of mine, I, uh, Joe Griffin and Ivan Tyrrell. And this set of organizing ideas really is a very, very useful framework, I think, uh, for auditing our emotional needs and seeing how we're doing. You know, we do have key emotional needs to meet as human beings. And if we do, if we get them met and balanced in a healthy way, um, you know, we're going to live more mentally healthy, fulfilled lives. For example, you know, our need for autonomy as a human being, our need for uh, meaning and purpose, our need to be part of a wider community. You know, those needs do not change one iota as we get older. In fact, they may maybe even become more important. And thankfully, nature has gifted us with innate resources to get our needs met um, as human beings, largely psychological and social skills with brain skills to get those needs met. And and actually, most of those skills uh, remain in robust working order, even into even into our our later years. And these are what you call the the human givens, the human givens. It's an interesting phrase. Yes. Yeah. The givens of human nature. Yes. Um, Joe came up with that title to reflect the the fundamental Mm -hmm. needs that we have, not only as individuals, but actually that societies have to thrive, to stave off mental illness. I'm not saying you can stave off all mental illness by balancing and meeting your emotional needs, but I do believe the outcome, if you get a mental illness, will be a lot better if those needs are are met and balanced in a healthy way. I was thinking that um, there is a lot of of talk nowadays, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of talk about um, mental illness, um, mainly in younger people, obviously for you know for good reasons but there's not so much um emphasis or help or information about depression and mental illness in older people that's right i would absolutely agree with that 
and rightly so the focus is on um younger people and thankfully having open conversations about about uh, uh, mental illness and mental distress because not every not every mental distress will translate into a mental illness we have to say people yes. are inherently resilient and will recover and obviously there has been a big focus on youth suicide and and teen suicide um and the tragedies that sometimes can happen um which can seem to just come as a sh- an enormous shock and can blindside families and communities but i absolutely agree that that you know the conversation hasn't uh, really focused enough on older people mm. um, and there's all sorts of reasons for that partly because perhaps older people themselves don't consider for example depression to be a mental illness and certainly clinicians and doctors health professionals may not consider it they may see depression as understandable simply because one is old and of course it is not you know depression let's be honest can span an enormous severity as a syndrome from yes. you know transient emotion to a severe life threatening illness it's enormously diverse enormously diverse which isn't sometimes very helpful that we just have one phrase to capture such a huge huge diverse uh, both normal emotion sure. right up to right up to a life threatening illness uh, but but certainly we need to have much more awareness, I think, because we know that, for example, people experiencing clinically significant depression that would benefit from an intervention. Yes. You know, one in four may just get treatment, adequate treatment. You know, it's pretty poor. That would not apply for, you know, to a, an infection or any other condition in, in, in hospitals or nursing homes. It would be regarded rightly as a, a health emergency. Indeed, but we yes. can be quite, quite complacent about 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 major depressive disorder. That is certainly true. I think probably a lot of older people uh, would be embarrassed to talk about it or would be unsure to speak about it. Whereas there has been a lot of encouragement for you know young men, for example, to speak, to talk out, to, to uh, describe how they're feeling in order to um, avoid that scenario you mentioned about the, the high rates of suicide and, and depression in young people. But I don't see the 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 supports there for older people maybe it's just uh, assumed as you say that uh, well they're getting older their physical health isn't great they've just been bereaved and of course they're depressed whereas obviously there is help and support they can get there are there are lots of sources and support now you know it's not all i must we mustn't be entirely negative about this i guess in 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 terms of, for example, dedicated mental health services for older people, there has been a, a big, big expansion in this country. I mean, oh, I remember when the first old age psychiatrist was appointed, and that would 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 be within over the last 30 years of my professional practice. And now there's services in every county and, you know, a proliferation of services. I think there must be 40 or well over 40 specialists in old age psychiatry, later life mental health uh, compared to one, you know, 30 years sure. ago. So, you know, there is that there is that willingness, I think, because we know uh, without it, quality of life, um, you know, is at stake. We know that physical health problems have a worse prognosis. If you have depression, for example, yes. with the physical health problem, we know people do far, far, far less well. So I think, yeah, that there has been a response um, by by the health services but not as much of a kind of an open national conversation, for sure, mm. about mental health difficulties. And older people, as you say, can be acutely aware of stigma. Um, they can be very embarrassed 
to raise yes. the issue. They may know their, their their GP very well. And in fact, that familiar relationship may be a bit of a barrier, although we think it shouldn't. Mm. But it may be actually be a slight barrier. There's an old saying in general practice, the locum gets the story. So when <laughs> a fresh face comes in, yes, and they actually get the real concern yes. that, that someone might have. So these conversations can be quite difficult to open up mm-hmm. for sure. And general practice is very, very busy. We know during the pandemic how difficult it was to access general practice for any healthcare, for a blood test, for oh, your, indeed, your listeners yes. will be aware of this. Yes. So when it comes to, you know, mental health difficulties where the conversation needs to go well beyond a 10 minute consultation, of if you course. can imagine the time pressures and what happens, a collusion of silence, you know. Of, of course. Well, the pandemic has been very hard on older people, hasn't it? With this cocooning and staying at home and isolation, it's put extra pressure on people who are living alone, who are relying on general social interaction, which they couldn't have during that time. It really was. And not only that, you know, not only services, but also the personal family connections, you know. Oh, yes, indeed. It was just horrific. It seems as if it didn't happen. It seems, doesn't it, like a nightmare? Yeah. Hard to recall, hard to recall that we had to stay within 5K of our own home and work from home. Um, It seemed less less real for me. I I had to go in every day and went in every day. But but, uh, can you imagine for older people not seeing kids, not, not having physical contact? We were talking about this in a group the other day, you know, the lack of a hug that that was potentially a, you know, a harmful act. Yeah. That you could pass on a virus. I mean, it's oh, a fundamental yeah. need, that sense Indeed. of intimacy. You yeah. Know, and touch. It, it was very, very hard for people. I know of people who, you know, would be crying as they looked out the window at their grandchildren. And it's just heart, heartbreaking. Anyway, thankfully, that has now passed. But it, it did, it did um, take its toll on a lot of older people because it went on for quite some time. It sure did. And yeah. and just, you know, no one has declared the pandemic over. No, actually, they haven't. When, whenever it comes, uh, we're waiting yeah. for Dr. Tedros to say, you know, on behalf of the WHO, this pandemic is now over. Yeah. You know, I think it will come. I think that 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 announcement hopefully will come. Of course, it's been dovetailed into other global crises. Of course, um, yeah. And uh, it's made you know, people that... very nervous, though, I think, hasn't it? It's oh, made very, a lot of old people very, very nervous. And that dislocation from the routine, it's it's if we did decent, decent research on it, we would see, you know, that this pandemic has had long term psychological damage. And some people have given up activities and have no real intention yeah. of resuming them, sadly. I know I it is. It is a great shame. We we could talk uh, forever, but I have to highly recommend Mind Crafting: How to Mentor Your Aging Mind uh, for everybody to read because you really we haven't had time to go through it. Very many of them, but you really give some really good practical advice um, for for people to help them cope with all the various different challenges. I mean, there's one there's one lady I know who um, lives with uh, her 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 daughter. And whenever I go to visit her and I ask her how she is before she can open her mouth, the daughter will say, oh, she's fine. She's doing very well. And this thing about and I always think, gosh, I wish she wouldn't keep speaking for her mother. You know, the poor mother goes to open her mouth and then she closes it again because she doesn't get a chance to answer the question. So we usually try and organize it. So we go out for tea or something so the two of us can just chat ourselves. But I think perhaps well-meaning family members don't realize how they can 
really um, put a stop on people's social activity by speaking for them like that. And we're all guilty of this, Mairead. You know, let's be honest, in the health services, you know, we're, we we plan home care with very, very good intentions to yes. promote independence. But sometimes there's a danger of de-skilling people. So I just like the example you gave. You get around the problem by taking your friend out for coffee. Yes. That's a lovely way around the problem. And most most issues like that, you can get around them. Certainly older people need to remain enthusiastic. Yes. They need to remain opinionated. Um, I, I think older people also to have a mindset of 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 accepting change and challenge is really, really important, uh, particularly in this very technological world. We must not get left behind. Yes. We've added actually a new member of the multidisciplinary team in our in our team in St. Pat's. And that's a person who goes around the wards and teaches usually older people to manage technology. Great. So that's only since COVID. And, and that's been a great addition to the multidisciplinary team. A lot of the active retirement groups around the country do all of that. Uh, they have a lot of different classes they do. in technology and so on, which is great. Well, as as I say, your, your book is invaluable for very many people. And as all of us over 60 are, are becoming part of an ever expanding group, it's going to be more and more important for people. I love the way you write about it. I love your approach. It's 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 so respectful. It's so clever. It's it's definitely going to be of great benefit to a lot of people. I love the way, actually, one thing that you said, which I must finish up with, which I thought was a lovely quote you said in the book, aging can now be viewed as an accelerated series of opportunities to gain psychological and spiritual maturity. I thought, well, isn't that lovely? It's great. Well, we must use the word opportunity at every yes. every moment in these conversations, because without it, without realizing this dividend, you know, we won't exploit it. And we all must exploit our own personal longevity dividend. It doesn't have to be a long period of years that we have. It's what we do with those years. And we must exploit them for our ourselves, for our families, for what we can contribute, retaining our core skill set and staying in the game. Excellent. So well put. Thank you so much, Declan. It's a, a, a pleasure to speak with you. And your book again, Minecrafting, How to Mentor Your Aging Mind. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mairead. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Why have regular eye tests at Specsavers? Well, they can help reveal health issues like diabetes and high blood pressure. Book an appointment online today.